This scary story is from Lucas Leung. Halloween party go wrong. The Halloween party was great and I was having a blast. Then suddenly my friend John dumped a bucket of water on me. I was soaked. No one gave me a towel to dry off so I had to search for one myself. I eventually wandered upstairs in search for a towel and found a closet. That's when my night really began. I opened the closet and black smoke poured out. As I coughed up the smoke I heard a raspy voice yell, No! I jumped backward in surprise and bumped into the wall. That's when I saw the wraith. It moved around like it was looking for something, but stopped when it saw me. So, you are the one! It said scarily. I got up and ran as fast as I could back down the stairs to tell someone. But when I got to the bottom, it was there. It said, Where are you going? I am stuck with you now. Didn't know what that meant, so I ran past him and back into the party. I yelled to everyone and got their attention. There's a wraith in this house. It came from the closet. Right after I said that the wraith appeared next to me. There it is. Everyone looked at each other and started laughing. I realized they couldn't see it. I ran out of the house to see if it was following me, and sure enough it was right behind me. I looked around frantically and saw an abandoned building with a belfry on it. Go in there. I yelled. It didn't seem to appreciate my request. In fact, it seemed to get angrier. It also seemed to be pushing me in the direction of the building. I decided I better just go where it was leading me. When I got to the building, the wraith cornered me and forced me inside. I ran upstairs, found a room, and locked myself in it. It was so silent I could hear the sound of a pendulum rocking back and forth in an old grandfather clock. I thought I had lost it, but right after, it came into the room. I stopped for a moment to think about how to trap it. It was in a closet when I found it, so I should try to trap it back in one. I ran around looking for some sort of closet or small room and finally found one after running around for about a minute. I went inside of the closet and called out to the wraith. It instantly came inside the closet. I dove out and shut the closet door midair. It screamed in agony. No! I ran outside and called out to the wraith to make sure it was trapped. Nothing happened. I was so happy. As I was walking back to the party, I knew that this would be a Halloween I would never forget. My stepfather is a wasp and he killed me. As I tiptoed out of my room at 3 a.m. to get a glass of milk, I heard the door creak open and then click shut. I started to tremble, then continued to the fridge to get a glass of chocolate milk. With the fridge light shining upon my face I looked at the door to see my stepfather had just arrived home.
I stared deep into my stepfather's icy blue eyes. He was wearing an absurd tribal outfit. When he saw me he made a stingy remark, nothing alive should be up at this at this hour. Goosebumps flooded my body and a breeze swept through my hair. I hurried back to bed and locked the door behind me. Beads of sweat began to form on my forehead. Why was he so creepy? I know he blamed me for his daughter's death, although he denies it. After he married my mother we all went on a family skiing trip and his daughter and I were skiing together when she lost control and went off the cliff. Even though he didn't see what happened he questioned me for four hours when my mother left. Since then, he has been so utterly rude and reserved. I stared at the ceiling until dawn. I couldn't stop thinking about the incident. That morning I cautiously left my room. When I went to make breakfast my stepfather was humming a joyful tune while my mother was giggling at his silly dance. I snarled at him and he narrowed his eyes and gave me a devilish grin. I was about to comment when out of the corner of my eye I saw a wasp. What are wasps doing in the dead of winter? I didn't think much of it, but it was unusual that a wasp was in our home in the middle of winter. I pushed the thought out of my mind and kept my distance afraid of that horrid feeling you receive when you're stung. Later that night he left mysteriously with a little wasp hovering around him. That's odd. I thought to myself. I followed him out and trudged through the snow. My eyelids felt unbearably heavy as if they had weights attached to them from my lack of sleep. I followed him for five minutes that seemed to last an eternity until he got to the belfry where millions of wasps hovered around him when they backed away. He transformed into a wraith wasp. It all made sense. I continued to follow him into the belfry. On his command the wasps charged me the instant they saw me. My body stung as if millions of pins pricks had just been painfully forced into my skin and I became clammy and chill ran down my spine. Tears came spilling down my cheeks. Their buzzing pierced my ears, as my heart pounded out of my chest. I was paralyzed in shock. I attempted to grab the pendulum from the bell and drop the weight on the wasps, but it was no use. Then my stepfather approached me I tried to back away, but I ended up cornered. I saw my life flash before my eyes as he slowly crept towards me. With one sting everything went black. Shadow Front of the Car by Annie Kirkland Me and my three friends Summer, Rachel, and Prince were walking around the neighborhood we were talking while we were walking Rachel said, Oh shoot I forgot we can ride in my car and everybody complained and then Rachel, 
Me and my other two friends went back to my house where Rachel Carr was. We got in and while we were riding, but when we rode two blocks Rachel stopped the car. Prince say Rachel keep going, why did you do that? Rachel said do you guys don't see what is in front of the car? I looked. And it was shaped as a dog shadow. Are you serious beep the horn for it to go? I said to Rachel. Rachel beeped the horn two times then the shadow stood up like a tall man. Summer said what the heck is that? Rachel you better not think about it. Rachel said well this bastard need to get out the freaking road. So she drove around the man's shadow and the shadow started running like a dog. I yelled at Rachel to go faster, he catching up. Rachel's speed limit was now at 100. There were no cars, nowhere. Summer said, let me drive. Rachel and Summer switched seat. I couldn't drive because I was only 10. Prince couldn't drive either he was only 12 and Summer was 16 and Rachel was 15. The shadow was catching up with us. I thought we were going to die that night. So I started crying and grabbed a knife and held it to my heart before I stabbed myself. Prince got the knife out of my hand and he said what are you doing? It's gonna be okay, we will not die. He hold my hand I said okay. When Rachel turned around the shadow was gone. The shadow gone yelled Rachel, let's go home. We were so scared, we were so lucky because the shadow start chasing after another car. For days later we were all home I texted them in a group chats. I said hey guys remember what happened with that shadow thing. I found out more information about it. Everybody replied what? I said that it was some type of man that died in his car and he shapes like any living things to try to get you out of your car. But if you ride past it, it will chase after your car. Summer replied wow we lucky we survived that. Whatever it is Prince replied yeah. Rachel replied so lucky. I'm happy, but we are never riding out at 3 a.m. again to that day. Hell's Bells By Emmett Phelan The moon was high in the sky and colored with blood, the lake without a single ripple and the sky was starless. The town of Derry was all quiet apart from a few neighborhood dogs barking. There is a town legend of a man named Dallas, the church killer. Dallas is infamous for murdering anyone who dare enter the church in Derry after dark. The teens who lived there knew the legend well and never ventured to go after the sun went down. On this night, there were three boys and their names were David, Billy, and James. The boys were hanging out at Billy's house making plans for Halloween, which was only a few days away. The boys were the best of friends and always spent Halloween together. Billy's older brother Jed found the boys downstairs talking about costumes and their plans for Halloween. 
Jed is a few years older than Billy and likes to tease his younger brother and his friends. I dare you to see how long you can last in the church. Jed taunted. Reluctantly, they accepted the dare and headed for the church. They closed the front doors and walked up to the belfry together so they could sleep through the night. Once inside, they set up their sleeping bags and started to explore the church. The boys stopped to look out the highest window when suddenly the water rippled below and what appeared to be a hooded, scythe-wielding wraith marched right out of the water. When Dallas the church killer murders his victims, he swings his scythe in a pendulum-like motion until he beheads his victim. James, David, and Bill realized they were being hunted by the infamous Dallas. They only had a few seconds to come up with an escape plan. So, as they were being chased by Dallas, their only option was to run up into the belfry to ring the bell to call for help. The door opened to where they were ringing the bell, and in came Dallas with blade in hand, but once he stepped closer and they rang the bell as loud as they could, the piercing sound of the bell was unbearable and tortured Dallas as he let out a loud bellow and ran off from whence he came. Once the sun came up they ran straight home knowing they were incredibly lucky to have survived the ordeal. They told the rest of the town their close encounter with Dallas and the town elders boarded up the church so Dallas will never be able to terrorize any other residents of Derry again. Straight Jacket by Eric Bursneck The screams of the siren diminished into blank noise. Pacing back and forth, disappearing and appearing at will, yet with consistency, the figure reminiscent of a wraith dissipated into a figure of the subconscious, existent yet not truly there. Leavenworth, Gary. The nurse still hasn't called me. A precise, annoying sigh signaled but a milestone in what seemed an eternal wait. An accident with acid left my hands in gauze and resigned me to a profoundly boring emergency room. Only the pendulum of an antiquated clock, of no explanation to why it's here, and my shaking leg provides entertainment, despite the waiting having anesthetized any need for pleasure. The already emaciated figure of the room's heat was beaten in by the cold, constricting my arms together like a straitjacket to keep warm. Burnett, Chris I finally heard the only siren call I wished to heed. Relief only manifested itself in acknowledgement. I was shocked by a shove from behind, as a nurse pushed wayward the wheelchair I had not known I was in. Advancing from the tomb into the catacombs didn't do much for the temperature, only creating a further sense of restriction and constraint. A sharp right turn into the doctor's office introduced me to a tall, balding figure. 
The Doctor Hi, I'm Dr. Rubin. We'll just be doing a standard assessment this time. I just have a few questions for you. The questions drifted, far from the grasp of my memory. I gave simple, mindless answers for all these pointless questions about my medical history, the accident, and the like. The repetition teased and teased the floodgates of my temper, driving me to anger. This is the right emotional response. Everything the doctor is saying is of little relevance. I stormed out of the doctor's office in anger, infuriated by the nerve of the doctor to ask such silly questions. In my near tantrum down the hallway, the only difference from before was the heat. It had returned to its youthful, lively state, and I did not need to bond myself to stay warm. I stomped through the emergency room, the siren's drone continuing. I slammed the door to the outside and tasted the fresh air, untouched by the taste of solvent and sanitizer. One look back couldn't hurt, no? Beyond my rational faculties I took one glance at the hospital behind me. A terribly surprising vision appeared in its place. An awful siren was blasting its ghastly, monotonous tune. A security guard lay mangled, his head skull bashed in and his gray matter scattered on the concrete by the work of his own batten. A prison tower stood as a belfry, its height contrasting the guard's corpse clinging firmly to the ground as an infant to its mother. Most prominently stood an illuminated sign to the right of the road I stood on. Institute for the Criminally Insane. A straitjacket enveloped my arms, my hands free. Of course, this was only a vision. The accident must have made me delusional. A Meal for the Wicked by Terry Pham. My eyes strained to find a place to take refuge from the downpour, but all I can see are trees. I begin to run not knowing where I am going. An ominous lightning struck down, revealing a small belfry in church. Giving a sigh of relief, I hobbled towards the church. I grasped the old metal doorknob and pounded on the tall oak doors. Slowly, the door began to creak open to reveal a girl as pale as a wraith dressed as a nun. How can I help you? She inquired cautiously, as her head tilts slightly to one side. It seems that I've gotten lost in this forest. Would it be all right if I stay here for the night, sister? She examined me with her eyes before gesturing a welcoming to allow me inside. Thank you, sister, as I give a small bow. We always welcome visitors to the old church. 
I'm glad you managed to find this place safely. The girl gave a bright smile as she is leading me through the corridors. The sister speedily introduced me to my room and left, closing the door delicately. Exhausted, I slump onto the bed and slept. I wake up only to find myself in complete darkness. Perhaps it was still night? I place my hands to my sides to bring myself up. However, I felt wet dirt under my hands. Panicking, I begin questioning how I managed to end up on the ground outside. Are you awake yet? It was the sound of the sister's voice. What's going on? I asked desperately. I had transferred you to the belfry and caged you into one of the bells. Dumbfounded, I couldn't speak. You see, I haven't had meat in so long. Luckily, you came along. I winced at a small ray of light that shone upon me as the sister opened a door made into the bell. Calmly, she threw in a match inside. At that moment, I realized why the ground was wet, it was soaked with gasoline. My screams vibrated against the bell as everything combusted. My clothes quickly caught on fire. The heat instantly began to crisp up my skin. It feels as if my skin was beginning to pull off me. The heat chipped away my skin away and exposed a new layer just to burn that layer too. Between my screams, I hear a faint sound of ticking like a pendulum. The sister was timing how long I should be cooked, just like a turkey. I don't know how long it has been. The heat has burnt away my nerves a long time ago. I could no longer scream in pain. My tears evaporated instantly just like my blood did. I had turned into human jerky. I breathe in my last breath of oxygen before all that was left was carbon monoxide. I slowly begin to choke. My conscience begins to fade as I go into shock. My Haunted House by Andrew Buddha This is a true story. I am not a type of guy who messes around with stuff like Ouija boards or ghost detecting apps or anything. But I swear the house I live in is haunted. Ever since I was four till now as a freshman in high school, but there is something off about the house. There is an upstairs, which is hotter than a dry sauna. A middle floor than a basement. My room is on the middle floor and below the master bedroom. That room is creepy, I swear. There were times when I was a kid. I would not even sleep in my bed because I heard blood gurgling. Under my bed and 
One time I looked under, and there was nothing under there. As I went back up, I saw something black. As it opened its mouth and screamed, I ran. One time I passed out and woke up with blood on my arm. Another time was when it tried to drag me to the basement. As I resisted, I woke up in the hallway that day. I am not sure if it's sleepwalking or a demon from hell, but this black thing with elongated hands and it's six feet tall and smiles and snarls—it is a scary thing to come across. To I hope this does not happen to anyone else. But now I sleep in my own bed now, and I look at it in the face and tell it I am not afraid, and that is my story.